Let us pray. Almighty God, we come before you for another week of worship and praise and prayer. And Lord, we look up to you for all of our everything that we need in our lives. We thank you so much for the blessings that you have given us. And Lord, open up our minds and our hearts and our souls today to understand the message that you are about to give us today through the scriptures. The scriptures have been given to us to, op- to open up our, our faith and open up our souls and our excitement about you, Lord, because our lives center around you. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Our first reading this morning is from the book of Jeremiah. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So beginning with verse 11, we read, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. That is our first reading. Our second reading this morning is from the book of James. James is talking about hearing and doing when you hear about the word of God. He says, beginning with the 19th verse, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, He will be a blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is a religious, that he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That is our second reading. 
Our gospel reading is recorded in the book of John, beginning with the 23rd verse in chapter 16. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not And I do not say to that, I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. And now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Happy Sunday, everybody. So, we say that we are a Christian. That's an interesting way to start out a service, isn't it? To say, are we a Christian? Of course, we are. But James tells us how we're supposed to be acting and what we're supposed to do. Now, I actually wrote my own little parable today. And I'm not sure how it's going to come out, but we'll see how this works out here today. It's my my own little parable that I wrote. A farmer went out to plant his corn. Throughout the whole summer, he would cultivate his corn, fertilize it, keep the weeds out, and irrigated. He watched his corn grow throughout the summer. The weather was perfect, and by fall he had the best corn around. Every ear was full of kernels and plump and juicy. He was so excited about his field of corn. He took pictures of his cornfield and posted on social media. Those pictures went viral all over the place because it was so awesome. When the fall came and it was time for the harvest, the farmer went out to look at his field. This is really amazing, he said. I can't believe the perfection of the field. I'm going on vacation to celebrate this wonderful field. So he went on vacation and had a great time. When he came back home, he went out to his field and saw it was ready for the harvest. But he was so proud of the field, he just couldn't harvest it. He grabbed the chair, sat at the edge of the field, and admired his corn. That's my parable. You're thinking, well, where's the rest of the story? Well, Here's the way I look at this particular parable that I wrote in reference to us as Christians and according to what James has written. See, the farmer represents the Christian. The Christian comes religiously to church every Sunday, attends Bible study, helps clean the church, mows the yard, gives generously, and does whatever needs to be done around the church. 
He takes great pride in his work. The vacation represents the desires of this world. It represents self-gratification, self-desires for pleasure. The farmer and the Christian are very proud of their work in the field and in the church. The chair is something that is stagnant. It takes no action. The farmer sits in his chair looking at his field. The Christian's work is merely done around the church building, but doesn't really do anything outside of that. So as the farmer sits there and looks at his field, there's nothing going on. There's no harvest. And as we just do stuff around the church, we're not going out to gather in the harvest. Neither the farmer nor the Christian have finished their job. There is much yet to do. The farmer doesn't harvest. The Christian doesn't do what it says in Matthew 28. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Christian may have done all these good things around the church, but forgets to go beyond the church. It's like he says, Jesus says in Luke 10, 12, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. As you may have noticed in James' reading for today, it's basically there's a bookmark on both sides talks about prayer, talks about asking God to help us. In Jeremiah, the Lord says, ask. In John, Jesus says, ask, and it'll be given unto you. And in the middle, we're kind of sitting here in the middle saying, okay, we are supposed to be doing stuff. Us, as a Christian congregation, us as Christians need to do the harvest. Can't just sit on a chair up here in a miry field. Can't just sit around the church and just hope that people come in. We're faced with that in Pierpont. We're faced with that over here. And believe me, a lot of churches are facing the same thing. It is like, oh, they will come. They, people will come. Jesus sent his 12 disciples out into the world. It only took 12. Actually, got down to 11, then 12 again. And they went out and spread the gospel. Jesus, or James says in James 2.26, But be doers of the word and not hearers only. And he emphasizes, For as the body is apart from the spirit is dead, so apart so also faith apart from works is dead. Oh, you know, I'm really excited this week. I'm thinking in my mind about being able to go out and go out into the community, go out into the area. I'm thinking we got Pickerel Lake out here. Lots of people. I know there's people from Groton over there. I'm going to have to start drafting some of them to see if we can get them to come over here. We all have friends and relatives out there. And we need to do the harvest. It is for their good that we're doing that because their eternal life 
is at stake. In Mark 5, Jesus healed a man with a demon. Now the man could have just sat in his chair and admired his healing, but Jesus would have nothing to do with that. What did Jesus tell the man to do in Mark 5, 19 and 20? Jesus said, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. So here we have this guy who had, was demon-possessed and Jesus says, Go home. Tell your friends what the Lord has done for you. I think I probably have mentioned this before, but we have all through the years have come up with this, you know, knock on wood type thing. You know, think, you know knock on wood that this doesn't happen or knock on wood about this. And so every time somebody does that, I say, you know, really, it isn't knocking on wood that's going to save you. It's the Lord who is going to save you. It is about Jesus Christ. Say, I'll praise the Lord instead of knocking on wood. Then I hope that the next time you knock on wood, you might think, oh, wait a minute, I shouldn't have done that. No, Lord, thank you. Give him the praise, give him the glory. You know, just like in the early days of the church, there continues to be a crisis in our churches and missions today. We are not being faithful to the command which our Lord gave us. Preach the gospel to every creature. Cults and false religions are growing at a more rapid pace than Christianity. It's a little bit scary if you think about it. There are over three Billion, that's with the B, people on the planet Earth who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even one time. There are over 3,400 languages that do not have a single verse of Scripture. We send people out into the mission field. Some are not fully equipped to survive the rigors of the spiritual battle that is enraging out there. And as a result, the missionary force is diminishing 8 to 12%. We must realize what Jesus says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my way, says the Lord. We must agree with God's ways. And one thing that we have talked about over and over, and you guys are so good at it, is prayer and asking. If we don't ask, how do we receive? Jesus says, ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. We must remain teachable and tender to the leading of the Holy Spirit these days if we're going to be effective in our world of evangelism. Now, James says that we are to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep ourselves unstained in the world. Orphans, which is also orphanus, 
is in the first century meaning to lack a father, a physical definition. But I want you to think about this little thought. An orphan is someone who has not heard about God. If we look at it from that perspective, there are a lot of orphans out there, orphans of God who have not heard about him. They do not deserve to be abandoned. They need to hear about what the love of God means for them. Spiritually speaking, we can apply this as a mentor. Mentor those who are in need of help. And this is reference to all believers around the world. They need to reach out instead of being into a sitting on a chair mode. We need to get up out of the chair and get to work. The harvest is ready. Jesus said this in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The key is doing what he said. The difference between the house that stood and the house that crashed is obedience. Both builders heard about the word of God, but they reacted differently. Just do it. We need to get ourselves excited about the word of God, about the Holy Spirit, about God the Father, and just get out there and it's time to bring people to God. And it, is, it isn't even necessarily so much about bringing them into the church building as it is making them aware about God and having them start somewhere. If you don't plant a seed, you're not going to get anything. You can imagine then that farmer going out planting his field with his cedar but not having any seed in it. Nothing will grow. And that's what we have to do. We have to put seed in the feeder. Go out there. <laughs> seed. Plant the seed. And I know there's times when you guys can be witnesses to this. I've said some crazy things from time to time, but if I say nothing, nothing will come, nothing will happen. And I say and I emphasize, yeah, some of my ideals are maybe a little bit weird, at least their ideas. It's a seed to start with. You could take this seed over here and, and maybe prune it when the plant comes up and say, hey, we got a better idea. Let's take this and do this. Oh, yes. The seed has taken roots. It is growing. 
The Declaration of Independence concludes with this pledge. For the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Fifty-six men signed the document. They came from all walks of life. Twenty-three were lawyers. Twelve were merchants. Twelve were farmers. Four were physicians. Two were manufacturers. There was even a politician in the group. One was a printer and another a minister. Almost a third of the signers who were under 40 years of age, 18 were in their 30s and three in their 20s. One, only seven were over 60. The youngest was Edward Brutage of South Carolina. He was 26 and a half. And of course, the oldest was Benjamin Franklin, who was 70. These men were men of action. You could probably say that they came up with the Nike slogan, just do it. The book of James is a practical book that calls on Christians to just do it. It's time to get off the chair and do the harvest. I believe that the signers of the Declaration of Independence would disagree with the fact that we don't need to do much. You have to have a sense of real strong desire filled with the Holy Spirit to go out there and do something. These men who signed this Declaration of Independence were religious people. All of them were Protestant except for one who was a Roman Catholic, but they were all Christians. And that is why with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And it's time for us as a church to rely on the divine protection and pledge our lives to God. To see God is not only to ask to live with Him, but to actually die for Himself, to get out there and do something. So my challenge for each one of us here is let's go do it. <coughs> we need some help. That's where our gospel reading comes in for today, John 16. He says, truly, truly, I say unto you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I think sometimes we forget that part about asking. How many of us, when we were kids, never asked our parents for anything? They ask for a lot, don't they? When you were a kid, I bet you asked for a lot as well from your parents. 
What's the difference between that and where we're at today and our Father? Why are we, we need to be asking Him for help and guidance? And throughout Scripture it says, Ask and I will give it unto you. Ask. Is that so tough to do? I can tell you one thing that when we were as kids, it wasn't tough to ask. Hey, Dad, can I have 10 bucks? Sure. Hey, Dad, can I go out tonight and uh, uh, go to my friend's place? Sure. Hey, Dad, can I, can I do this or that? How many times have we done that through our lives? We've we got to remember that lesson that we did as ourselves as a kid to now do in our lives asking the Father. We have the book of James that's kind of centered on the bookends there about asking. Ask on one side, ask on the other side that our joy be full. Jesus says ask. Okay? That's what we need to do. Now, it's more important also that when you ask, that you really mean it. Just to say the words without really meaning and emphasizing it. Jesus wants us to really be, he wants us to be persistent. Remember the widow that kept going to the judge? And the judge finally says, fine, I'll give you what you want. Jesus says, be persistent as that person. Ask, ask, ask. Don't give up. And also be realistic in what we want to ask for. I mean, don't ask for, hey Lord, I want to live to 150 years of age. Hmm. You know, there's just some things that, you know, he's going to probably get a good chuckle out of. But Lord, we want to serve you. We want to grow the congregation. We want, more importantly, we want people to come to you, Lord. And that should be our mission. Now in a year's time, maybe this congregation will not grow, but maybe we have saved somebody out there. Maybe somebody will get the word and they will be saved. See, it's not about us. It's about them. It's about the people out there, the three billion people out there who have never heard about Jesus Christ. And someone asked the question, well, where are these three billion people at? I mean, uh, which country are they in? Uh, hey, look in your own backyard. There are people in our communities, no matter how big or small, that have not heard or understood what Jesus is about. And yes, we will get the scoffers out there. Somebody was telling me that um, they went into a restaurant in Aberdeen and uh, I, the person said something to the waitress, you know, you know, God bless you or something like that. And she's, oh, so you're a Christian. Well, I want nothing to do with you. And she walked away. Yeah, there are people like that out there. Everybody we meet is not going to be gracious to hear us. 
Look at the disciples. Most of them, all but one, were killed for Jesus' sake. Now, obviously, we're not going to get killed, but we're going to get shunned. You're, so you're a Christian, huh? Huh. And I, and I hate to say it, but Christianity today has taken a, a bum rap because they simply haven't followed the rules. You have one denomination that has all kinds of scandals going on in it. You have the ELCA and the Methodist Church splitting up because of differences of what it says in the Bible. I mean, the Bible says it plainly clear. I don't know why we can't agree on it, but people don't because it's all about them. It's all about, it's more important for them to live out the life that they want to live as opposed to the life that God wants us to live. As it says in James, keep oneself unstained from the world. Yes, the world is out there. The evil is out there. The devil is out there. He's doing whatever he possibly can to mix up the pot. And boy, you know, he's doing it. And that's where we have to come in stronger than ever as a congregation, as, as people of God. No matter where we're at in the world, if we are a believing Christian, we need to get off the chair, go out there, and do the harvest. Amen. May the grace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the true Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.